This is Jerry White. I'd like to introduce you to Sage Intact, a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Sage Intact helps their restaurant customers reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes so they can focus on servicing customers and growing their businesses. To learn more about how Sage Intact restaurant customers make smarter decisions with critical visibility in business performance, I invite you to get more details at sageintact.com forward slash hospitality. That's S-A-G-E-I-N-T-A-C-C-T dot com forward slash hospitality. Okay, everyone, welcome to your fast, casual insider podcast coming to you live from the show floor of the 100th centennial anniversary celebration of the National Restaurant Association show. I'm Jerry White. I'm the associate publisher of Plate Magazine, and I'm joined today by two industry giants, I would say, uh, not just in the fast casual arena, but in the restaurant industry as a whole. So um, although they need no introduction, I'm going to ask each of our guests today to kind of give us an Instagram snapshot of their role in their companies and basically what their companies are all about. So Jeff, I'll start with you. So Instagram pose. So my name is Jeff Alexander. I'm the president of Wild Owl here in Chicago. We have 11 units. I'm also a managing partner with Lettuce Entertain You Enterprises based here in Chicago. I also chair the Fast Casual Industry Council for the National Restaurant Association, and I'm very excited to be here and to share the stage with this guy. My name is Paul D'Amico. I'm the CEO of NAFNAF Grill, Middle Eastern Grill. We are a Chicago-based uh, concept with 38 locations in seven states uh, and the District of Columbia. Right. And what I think is kind of interesting is that uh, both NAFNAF and Wowbow are taking products that are centuries old, if you will and putting a modern spin on it to appeal to today's ever-changing finicky diner, if you will. So I think we've talked a lot about uh, the flavors in the marketplace and how those have continued to evolve. But today's discussion, I would really like to kind of hone in on um, one of the things that really is affecting uh, the fast casual marketplace, and that would be uh, third-party delivery. and. Paul, I'd like to ask you first, uh, I know that with NAFNAF, you've kind of really optimized your concept to kind of include third party. So talk to us a little bit about what that entailed, maybe some of the transitions you have, and also, you know, maybe some things that we need to avoid. We think third party is, is certainly a strong portion of our sales in the future. Today, we consider digital sales to be in, in, the, in the 16% range. And when we say digital sales, we're talking catering, third-party delivery, and online ordering. I truly believe that in our space, delivery will continue to grow at double digits for the next few years. And so if we're right, and I, and I hope we are right, we've put certain things in place today in preparation for that. And so probably the most important thing we've done is we've developed a, a second line at each of our restaurants. There's nothing more frustrating to a guest to be waiting on a line at NAFNAF for their chicken shawarma hummus bowl, and then all of a sudden a third-party delivery comes in and it screws up the whole line. So we've invested heavily in all of our restaurants with these second lines that are fully functional and designed only for delivery. Okay. Jeff? Yeah, so we're about 
close to 20% is third-party deliveries or uh, overall sales. And then on top of that, we do about another 6 to 8% in mobile. Uh, we have the luxury, we, we are one solid line that does it all, and our speed of service is about 46, 58 seconds. So we're not really affecting the guests in that regard. Mm -hmm. uh, but back in the day, so we've been doing third-party delivery since 2000, and late 14, early 15. We were really early adopters of all of the different vendors when they opened up in Chicago. And it's here to stay. And for a long time, it was incremental sales that you were just picking up. And for us, it's really become almost a replacement sale. So our battle right now is getting more people to come into the restaurant for the traffic counts that we're feeling the uh, the loss of the people in that regard. But we're definitely enjoying the sales that we're getting from third party. Yeah, sure. It makes sense. And Paul, I know that um, when you joined NAFNAF, uh, kind of the mission there was to obviously grow that concept and franchise it. But as third party delivery continues to grow and encroach, what does that do to the future footprint of your locations? Does it mean less space for customers? And I mean, that, that's, that's the initial reaction that we need yeah. less space. So it's something that we are, we're actively working on now. So we're, we're developing now our first seatless restaurant in downtown Chicago. So it's a, our prototype's about 22 to 2,500 square feet. Uh, we're going to build a 1,700 square foot uh, space, no seats, and it's going to be designed for 100% online order and delivery. So we'll, we'll see. We have to solve for that for our future franchisees. Uh, we don't want them to have to go figure that out and, right. and take those risks. We're going to take those risks for them. Uh, but certainly the, the square footage necessary uh, for third-party delivery and online ordering is going to continue to shrink, which is important because as, as third-party delivery sales continue to grow, and, and at some point, if they do outpace in-store sales, that's a whole different economic model than we have today. Because when we, we think of third-party delivery today as a profitable sale, because in that P&L, we're not assigning any rent to that. We're not assigning any utilities to that. And we're, not, and we're assigning a very small piece of labor to that. So it's basically the cost of the food and the delivery fee. That's a profitable model. If we start layering rent and utilities and labor to that, it can flip pretty quickly on sure. you. Yeah, I, I certainly get that. You know, one of the things I will just always I'm curious about is whether or not this phenomenon is moving your product farther away, uh, obviously, from those who prepare it and to those who deliver it. And is there a risk of losing control of whatever that transaction was? Because, Jeff, as we mentioned in our uh, med conference, uh, no matter what goes wrong, it's not going to be the delivery, it's going to be the restaurant. Yeah, as this evolves, and look, we're very, it feels like delivery has been around for a long time. It's really in its infancy stages as we figure out who the major players are going to be and how the restaurants change their design with their double lines or smaller footprint. The whole aspect about who's responsible for the product and the what ifs and, and uh, how the, the, the parties play and interact together, it's, it's really not defined right now. Uh, I sort of live in the world where if God forbid something goes wrong, the restaurant is getting the blame for it, and the restaurant has to identify the correct for it. And I, I think, I don't want to speak for Paul, so I'll let him do it, but you're working exclusively with DoorDash, so your catering side of it, or your delivery side, you actually have more control than I do when I'm working with six different players because I have no relationship that's right. with it, right? I mean, that's the benefit of, of, a, of an exclusive relationship. I, th I think, and beyond, if we can just look beyond the food safety component of your question, just for a second, I, I think what's going to become more and more important is that we, we maintain the relationship with the guest on the digital side, 
right? We all saw what happened with hotels in the 90s. All the hotels lost their guests because they all started going to third-party Trivagos, mm-hmm. right? And, and, the, and the guests gave up their loyalty program to go do that for the cheaper price. If today we can't control where our guests buy their third-party delivery, I want 100% to come through the NAFNAF mobile app, and that will go directly to DoorDash, and I own that guest information. If DoorDash continues to drive their marketing to get my customer to go through their platform in the marketplace, I lose all that customer data, right? Today, we all have voice-activated devices in our homes, or at least 90% of us do. And we use it for one thing, listening to country music. And that's about the extent of it. Five years from now, you're going to use Alexa, and you're going to say, Alexa, I want a chicken hummus bowl. And if you do not tell Alexa you want a naf-naf, chicken hummus bowl, Alexa's going to go to the top of the string in Google and, sh- and you're going to get whatever, where that, where that bowl comes from. Right. So we have to own that guest and we have to make sure that we continue to market to that guest to stay within our vertical platform of the NAFNAF app and not the third-party delivery apps. And that's a really good point. The only thing I'm going to you know, disagree with is they're going to be telling Alexa they want Wow Bow. She'll say, oh, what is Wow Bow? <laughs> <laughs> No, but look, Paul makes a very good comment, and he's it's spot on. The, the ability that he has right now to track his consumer and have them going through his app is really what most of us are not doing. And uh, it's hard because, you know, I want as much sales as possible, and so we have every platform going with every one of our stores, and it would be better for us if we could drive all that business to come from our website, as Paul is doing. We, unfortunately, created or fed the monster to let you go elsewhere as opposed to coming direct from us. So yeah. now we are playing catch up to yeah. where Paul already is. Yeah, this is such a new phenomenon though that um, you're right. I think we only really have scratched the surface on what is out there. And I think there have been some rumblings about another company that begins with an A who, you know, probably or is going to try to emerge, you know, as maybe uh, the big aggregator in this third trend and that would probably be Amazon. They talk about, uh, you know, they call it delivery Darwinism. And I know I've seen things online where, uh, you know, the president of Grubhub says, I am not going to lose the third party delivery game. I'm not sure about that. But uh, anyway, you see Amazon coming in into space. I I think that the space is it really in its infancy. I think we all feel like we've been doing this for a long time. But when you have a player such as the size of Amazon, you know, every week in the news of something different they've done, they have to enter at some point. I know they try to do their Amazon Prime delivery. They tried it here in Chicago three or four years ago. It never really took off, but Amazon was a different company three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I look, if I had the crystal ball, I'd be doing a lot of other things with my life with it. But <laughs> I assume Amazon is going to have to make some kind of play at some time. And yeah. we're, we're going to watch it as an industry because if you came to this show five years ago there was probably ncr was the only pos booth if you go back there today there's 15 companies that are trying to sell you their tablet based solution Mm -hmm. today you see the top five third-party delivery providers here on the floor in one of the three areas i think this time next year you might see three times that amount i think amazon is absolutely going to be there but i think you're going to see another 20 startups as well okay this is jerry white If you're a restaurant looking to reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes while gaining better insight into business performance, I invite you to learn more about Sage Intact. 
a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Find out how Sage and Tech can give you the visibility to help you grow your business at sageandtech.com forward slash hospitality. That's S-A-G-E-I-N-T-A-C-C-T dot com forward slash hospitality. And do you, do you think that we're ever at, at risk of uh, maybe overestimating what we're doing uh, in relation to, uh, say, millennials versus Gen Z? Because I'm told that Gen Z has kind of a whole different set of uh, ideas and circumstances about what they want. And I think the millennials obviously are driving this. But I also hear that Gen Z, they don't mind waiting in lines. I mean, I, I don't really understand that. I, I think those two groups, uh, the millennials and the Gen Zs, I think that they're confused. I, I don't know that they really... Un- our whole listening base. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, I'll turn this yeah. off right they, <laughs> they don't know if they want the experience or the quality food or to know where they, the food is coming from. It's, we're, we, as the restaurateurs, are going to have to figure this out and see where they go. If they don't want the experience, our restaurants are going to become ghost kitchens, and that's what we're going to be. Mm-hmm. If they really, truly still believe in the experiential uh, behavior of what, of what happens in a restaurant in a communal setting, then, then ghost kitchens aren't going to be the, the thing that takes off. So, but I think we're on this cusp of where that is going to go, because I'm going to experiment with a ghost kitchen. I'm going to experiment with a restaurant uh, that has no seats. And I'm going to continue to experiment because I, I don't want to figure it out when it's too late. Right. Well, to, to sort of tag onto that, the thing about the restaurant industry is we're always playing catch up, right? Uh, our vendors are not set up to keep us moving forward. We're we're looking at this disruptors or innovators that you and I right. have talked in the past mm-hmm. are coming in, and we have to be reactive. And unfortunately, in our environment and the people we work with and the way our restaurants are built, we are not able to react quickly enough. So when we talk about what is a Gen Z want, what does the millennial want, honestly, I don't know if we know, and once we figure it out, it's going to be very difficult for us to go forward. You know, the, the ghost kitchens, we tried that two years ago. We opened up in LA. It was fantastic. We entered the market for $30,000, like fantastic. But we're running a 200-square-foot kitchen with one employee 2,000-plus miles away with no management. It did not work. And with no street presence, and no one knew we were there. So is there a place for ghost kitchens? There is. Have we fully developed or understood that concept or know how to market with it or communicate what we're trying to do? I think people have ideas, but it hasn't been fully built out yet. Right. So do you think that as we look at the fast casual marketplace, third-party delivery is almost like another day part that you that has its own marketing expertise attached to it. I wish it was a different day part. I I wish it was the two to five day part, but it's it's not. It's, it's, It's the lunch day part. And it's the dinner day part. We certainly have to get behind it if we, if we truly believe in it. And I, I do for my brand. We've got to get behind it and throw marketing dollars against that um, or we're going to lose the guest. And that's where the marketing dollars are going to go. They're going to go on brand, not so much on promotion. Okay. Yeah, and it's definitely a different clientele. You know, we, you have to market differently. You can't just market to the person who's sitting on the couch. You know, tonight, while the rest of the NRA attendees are doing some kind of celebratory thing, Three-quarters of the population of the world is going to watch Game of Thrones tonight. And then it's, right. you have to market to that guest who's on their couch to get food to them differently than you're market to people you're trying to get into your restaurant. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely a different clientele, a different thought of how you can communicate. Right, exactly. As we look at uh, the Gen Z, do you really feel that there is much more change coming to delivery with how, what they want in the marketplace? Or 
what might be next for them? I don't think it's Gen Z. I mean, we're, we're seeing delivery across the spectrum. So I, I don't think it's Gen Z that's driving the growth in delivery. Uh, I, I think it's, um, it, it's where we spend our marketing dollars that we see that growth, right? Mm -hmm. But we have uh, Gen Z, we have millennials, we have boomers. It's what's happening in the office during that day. And for us, because we have lots of urban locations, it's about what the weather is, okay. right? On, on, a, on a shitty day, our third-party delivery goes through the roof. On a sunny day, everybody wants to go outside and sit outside. So it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's about the demographic um, so much as about the, the, the other factors around what's happening in your restaurant. Okay. I sort of think what's happening is it's becoming a social play more than anything else. You know, the, the single diner doesn't seem to be as prevalent right now. Maybe it is on the delivery aspect, but in the restaurants, it definitely seems more about millennials or Gen Z or whoever it is wants to eat together and they want to, you know, have more camaraderie. They're still, you know, I, I feel like this generation is not as much eating at their desk as trying to just be social. And I think we need to create ways to be socially compatible with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and Paul, I know that you're a, a veteran and that, that doesn't mean you're old. That means but I'm young. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what attracted you to NAF NAF uh, in terms of the food and flavor offerings and why that was so attractive for you to join them. Yeah, I think the food is, is amazing and everybody should go regularly. Um, but for me, the attraction was to see uh, if I could take an incubated brand with uh, virtually unknown uh, cuisine and an unknown name and get it into a package and grow it into the hundreds of units between 2019 and 2024. Uh, and so that's, that's going to happen through uh, franchising. If I lined up 10 people here right now and asked them, how many of you have had a falafel in the last 10 days? Maybe one of you will raise your hand. Uh, if, and, and with that same 10, if I asked you how many of you have had a chicken shawarma, maybe none. But if I asked you if you've had hummus or a pita, I'd get 100%. So, so I'm banking on the, the fact that the, the U.S. population understands those two core products. Mm -hmm. We lead with those, and we hope to get that trial for the true Israeli Middle Eastern uh, culture. Right. And do you hope that your audience for your product expands or do you feel like it's going to be built around the Gen Z and the millennial and go from there? I mean, is it no. going to appeal to boomers? And it's, yeah, I, I mean, t today, if you go into one of our downtown restaurants during lunch, you'll see everybody here. You, you will see the, the 50 and 60 year olds. You'll see the 35 to 55. You'll see uh, a little bit of a skew men to women, 60 to 40. Uh, you'll see lots of um, uh, Indian population, and you'll see lots of kids. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're playing to the masses, sure. and, we're, and we're marketing to the masses. Yeah. You feel the similar, Jeff, about your... Uh, your yeah, you know, Dow's been around for thousands of years. We did not mm -hmm. create it, but nobody in the country is really doing the enclosed bow, which is, you know, the size of a tennis ball with meat and vegetables inside, and it's portable, it's easy to eat. Uh, it's fantastic flavor profile. So we're sort of having to educate the consumer on what it is we're serving. And similar to as Paul said, how he's leading with hummus, you know, we have teriyaki chicken rice balls. You know, most people have had teriyaki chicken at some point uh, when they've dined out with Chinese. So we lead with the, with the recognized flavor, mm -hmm. and then we bring in this dish that no one else is offering and really trying to make a staple for us. The beauty for us is it's a thousands of years old, 
based out of China, which is with a billion people. This is not an unheard of cuisine. Right. It's just not as well known in America, and we just have to get it out there with people. Mm -hmm. And um, the success of your concepts, and again, going back to the delivery aspect, has that meant that you've changed how you market in-store uh, to your customers, or is that unchanged? It's, it's not it's not changed for us. Um, I mean, uh, there, there are lots of uh, restaurant companies that are evaluating different menus for delivery, different price points for delivery. And I think all of those levers are going to be there as the economic model changes over time. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, what you get in a in a NAF is what you get on our app and third party delivery. Right. What's next, Jeff, for your concept? I mean, what aren't we seeing or thinking about at the moment? Yeah, well, we're sort of focused right now, we believe we're a little bit carb heavy. So we're playing with a lot of vegetable bases. We're playing with, uh, uh, you know, the, the plant-based uh, proteins. We're looking at what we can do to add a little bit of a different component for a different consumer. And for us, we're, we're gonna work on being asset light. We're doing very successful in the airports. We're in three right now. We have two or three more opening this year and two or three more next year. We're getting our franchise documents done so we can expand the, uh, the, the the offering and get the product out to more people and uh, I'm excited for what's on the forefront both for Wildbell and to see you know how delivery plays out you know we talked the other day with Sodexo's got these robots driving around college campuses right. and how that's going to change the, the the landscape of how we communicate to the guests and get food out to people so there's a lot of excitement coming up in the restaurant industry that uh, you can see here at the show as well. Yeah I, I've seen a lot of uh, AI and robotics out, There's out a there. whole section here for yeah, it. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And Paul, I know that you began your career in what we call the on-site or the non-commercial market. Yeah. Do you see any opportunities there for you with NAFNAF in those markets, like yeah. colleges? or? Yeah, I mean, our menu is so slim. Uh, our speed of service is so fast that we're, we're talking to all of the airport operators now uh, to find spaces, primarily in Chicago first. I think from Chicago, we'll go to Atlanta next. Okay, great. That, yeah. that, that would be fun. We're getting a little close on time. I wanted to see if I could just ask each of you to kind of give me a crystal ball look and say, um, what do you hope happens in the next two years in the restaurant industry? I think back to what, you know, this industry was like 100 years ago when it started. And I think it's probably changed in the last two years more than it changed in the first 98. So yeah. the pace of change is not going to slow down. What do you really think is on the horizon? For me, I think the, re the real thing that I'd like to see more of or better of, I think we're sort of, we're all the starting line and it's, we're sprinting. And the restaurant industry is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we're playing catch up to a lot of stuff. And we have all this technology coming and all this disruption coming in. And, you know, we have the, the third party delivery and how do we play with that? And how do we do catering? And I need a new POS, I need integration, I need AI, I need all these things. And I think it's important that the hospitality side of it, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're not in the food business, we're in the hospitality business. And these outside influences that, that are coming to our businesses and asking us to embrace them or we're being forced to embrace them, don't understand the hospitality side of what we're doing. Right. Right. And it's very important that we don't lose that piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I watch what Danny Meyer does in, for the full service restaurants in New York, how he stopped tipping. Sure. Right? And yeah. You know, the argument is that's going to give better service. I don't know if it's better service. I don't know if anyone's out there really doing it. And, you know, a lot of restaurants right now are cashless and the government's saying you have to accept cash. And there's 
positives to cash and negatives to cash. And a lot of this decision and a lot of the influences that are coming to us are not necessarily from people in the space and working with it, but we're forced to play by these other rules. And it's challenging now, but I think it's very important and I hope to see over the next two years uh, the other voice come up and say, hey, what about the hospitality? What about the people end of it that uh, doesn't get lost at all? Sure. Well, and I hope there's, you know, 200 wild bows and <laughs> everybody's eating the product and that's going on too. I, I think for NAF, it's uh, we've got to continue to innovate around our cuisine and our culinary to drive awareness of, of what the brand is and, and where we think we can take it. For me, we've, we've stabilized our company store operation and it's going to be all about franchising. We, we're going to get this thing into the hundreds of locations in the next couple of years. In order to do that, we've got to make sure that we can scale our team to support those franchisees uh, wherever they may be. So for, so for us, it's a, it's We've stabilized the brand. It's a pure growth play for us. Great. Well, uh, Jeff Alexander and Paul D'Amico, you know, you guys are definitely game changers in the marketplace. Thank you for sharing some time with us today and talking about what we can expect in the future from your great company. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite service or find us at restaurant.org forward slash podcasts. This episode was produced by Dante32.